You're looking Knicks fans. Welcome to episode 22 of Knicks fans wildin'. February 2nd, 2022 was yesterday. Only right this is episode 22. Come on, you already know the vibe. Triple Lemon, the building as always. And we coming at you the day after the Knicks lose to the Memphis Grizzlies. Another hard fault loss by the New York Knicks. I mean, that's just been the theme of the season. Just tough losses. 50-50 balls not going the Knicks way. It was a tough, tough loss, man. But we got a special guest today, Urson. Dropping some dimes on the Knicks international player, Rokas, who might be a big part of the rotation next year, maybe. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, videos of him circulating around, and we had to get somebody on the international end to check it out for us. Big shout out to Erson, and big shout out to Worldwide Knicks for last week's episode. Shout out to our guy Omar, came through, did his thing, man. Such a great episode. I had a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun on this episode with Erson. Next week, Thursday, we might be doing a live show for the NBA trade deadline. If you want to join, hit me or Don Juan up. It's going to be open invite, see who wants to come through, and the Knicks might make a move, Knicks might not make a move. So let's let's talk about it next week. But as always, man, I'm here with my guy, Don Juan. Tell the people it's really good. Yo, yo, what's going on? What's going on? Your boy, Don Juan, here. Um, keep it nice and simple. You know, I know you guys want to watch my guy, Urson, kill it. But, you know, if you guys are new... New listeners, you know, make sure to subscribe to our channel. We're trying to get up to over 100. We're doing a giveaway when we reach 100. To those specifically that are subscribed to the channel, we are doing a giveaway. So, you know, make sure to be part of the, part of the giveaway, you know. Also, as well, make sure to like the video. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. You know, at the end of the day, that's how... That's how we keep the channel running. We keep we keep the channel running and, and moving up on the ladder. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of plans and things that we got going on. And, you know, by simple subscribe, a simple like, it'll help us boost boost our our projections as well. But Motivation, man. Yeah, of motivation. course, of course. And, you know, let us know that we're doing a, a good job too, man. Because <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, we ain't getting paid for this. But, you know, we appreciate the feedback. No, shout out, shout yeah. out, yeah, Nick fans out there holding it down for us. Yeah, man, shout out to the Knicks fans. That's the one said. Thank you, thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing. And yeah, man, let's let, let's take a listen to Urson what you had to say. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Knicks land, and um, I hope you enjoy the episode. You're okay, as promised. We are here with Urson in the middle, one of the smartest dudes on the draft Twitter. I mean, this guy just watches these games and analyzes these players like no one else. I mean, you have to check him out. Check out his Twitter, at E-D-E-M-I-R-N-B-A, that's E-D-E-M-I-R, N-B-A. Check my guy out because you wouldn't be disappointed whether it's either the analysis, the videos. It goes from everybody, from the NBA. I mean, I saw you throw a DeMar DeRozan video the other day. That kind of threw for a curveball, usually targeting young guys. And here you are throwing uh, DeMar DeRozan, which is interesting, though. I liked it. Uh, you need to bring back the quickly assist, man. You started it all, and you kind of tapered down, all right? Yeah, man. I, it's kind of, you know. I'm telling you, you got to bring quickly assist back. But without further ado, Erson, man, tell the people it's really good, bro. How you been? I'm doing good, man. Good to be on the show again. I appreciate the dope intro, man. As you know, 
to make my day, made my night. So, <laughs> so you know, appreciate it. Get it done with all with you guys, man. Sure. Yeah, I enjoyed the last show you did with Omar as well. Loyal listener over here. So for every listener that's, you know, after this show, make sure to subscribe to the show as well. A lot of dope you know, guests on the show. I'm honored to get back again. So, you know, let's kill it, man. That's dope, man. Shout out to Omar, as you mentioned. Oh, uh, sure. well, Nick, if you haven't checked out that episode, check it out. He dropped a lot of gems there, too. But here we are with Urson, off the ball, very own Urson in the building. And let's get right into it with these New York Knickerbockers. Gosh. Pretty soon, we're going to have to get you back on the show, probably, because we're going to be talking about draft picks and lotteries, because it's getting bad. You know, we need them draft. We need, them, <laughs> we, need to, we need you to find us the next Nikola Jokic, all right? That's what I'm saying, man. You got to find us that next guy. But I want to start off the show by talking about a Knicks player that we do have in the stash. I mean, you talk about him extensively. A lot of times, and and Knicks fans, you know, we just looking, searching for positives. So anytime you throw uh, videos of our guy drafted with the thirty fourth pick, I think, Roka, thirty second or thirty third, thirty second, or it's one of those. I one think of those second round picks. We got Rokas in the building. Um, I mean, the guy from the videos we've seen, uh, I've seen him do a nice little hezzy going to the basket. I mean, the handles. Are getting way better. Uh, the three-point shooting—that's that's been a strength of his. That he yeah, he isn't, you know, really taking a lot of threes, you know. So yeah, especially yeah, so, if we can. Just before we get started, uh, last three games, February third, he had nine points, five rebounds on assists. Today he had a game. Today had a nice little game. Before that, five points, one rebound, one assist. So the game before that, ten points, two rebounds, two assists. And the game before that, eight points, two rebounds, and one assist. So his season high has been 16 points. I mean, those are impressive numbers when you're talking about the Euro League because it's a different league out there, right? These guys are not dropping 30, 40 a night like in the NBA. It's tougher. Defense mm-hmm. is tougher. Uh, just talk about yeah. a little bit about Rokas for us, Erson. Yeah, for sure, man. If you look at Rokas Jokobar's game, I think the most, the most impressive part is his offense. You know, he's a great, you know, pick and roll ball handler. That's the vocal point of his offense. I think if you look at these guys, that uh, especially when we get to the numbers, I think the numbers in Europe are a little bit deflated because you play 40 minutes instead of 48 with a lot lower pace. It was just the overall compared to the NBA, it's a lot higher fundamental game, man. So a lot of more tactics. So those players, it doesn't matter if you're a team story, if you're the role player. Everyone has his task. Everyone, you know, got to understand the fundamentals. So it's mostly pure technical basketball. Maybe mm-hmm. the closest comparison to the NBA is maybe, you know, Greg Popovich. You know, Tim Duncan was a star on that team. Manu was a star. Buck was a star. But those guys, it's very rarely to see one guy put maybe 50 points in a game, you know, because they all have their roles and they play in that team, team play, team game. So that's what you see in Europe as well. So if you look at the EuroLeague, I think the top three is mainly Real Madrid, Barcelona for Jokobaitis is playing. And you have Anadol Efes from Turkey, and you have Milan from Italy. So those are the four, five best teams. And those are teams with the deepest pockets, so they can compete every year. Mm. And mainly, if you look at Barcelona's game, it's purely around you know Mirotic, who played for the Bulls in uh, in the NBA. He was you know he wasn't winning six men of the year, was he getting contention before he signed in Europe? 
Bobby so he Portis was a good player in the NBA. Bobby yeah, Portis put together points to him. <laughs> <laughs> sure, bro. If you look at this game, it is mainly he's what's my unique selling point with Rocket Bias is is that you know he doesn't really need, need a screen to get past the guy, you know, because if you look at his uh, overall speed, it isn't really he's not the quickest guy. But if you look at the comparison in the NBA that I like to use, maybe you know guys that can control the pace very well. So they're not the quickest guys, but the smartest guy that can you know just with those bursts, you know, get that good burst, but not elite speed. And they can yeah. play with that to you know get maybe shake a defender out of balance or even get past them just because they time very well. You got maybe Darren Williams, the guy that comes to mind, you know, from the Utah Jazz and was uh, yeah. at the Nets, I think, before he retired. There was a guy who wasn't really the quickest, the best athlete, mm -hmm. but he was very smart. He knew how to get past the guy. And Yoko Bayers has that in his game as well, because he's a guy that can really control his speed very well. And he doesn't really need a screen to se get separation from a guy, so he can really show his burst and... With his, uh, it, I think he has a good to elite first step, not an elite first step, but very in between. So I'm also a little bit biased. So if I call it the good first step, maybe that's more, that's more better fit for him. But it's mainly, you know, if you look at that guy, he's in a situation in Barcelona where he's playing for a contender. Their primary point guard, Nicolaitis, was injured for three months. So he had basically, that was his luck to get, you know, to be a starter, to get, burn, to get yeah. the most, uh, to be the leading guard for them. But he's mostly a secondary ball in them, man. I think if you take a look at him, at the situation maybe for the next next season, he won't be starting, you know. I think he won't be the starting point guard very soon either. So, but he <laughs> will be a great secondary ball handler in the second unit, man. You know, maybe alongside Derrick Rose, because he's mainly on the offense. Uh, he's playing a lot at the rim, so... The Knicks desperately need rim pressure, man, because if you look at the stats, the Knicks have the fourth worst field goal percentage from the pick and roll ball under this season. And that's very bad, man, because if you look at the times where Derrick Rose was on the team with Taj Gibson, those were those two guys are really good pick and roll partnership, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're Yuka Bayer's also needs a guy like that, needs a big like that, so he can get in sync with. Is it Mitch? I don't think it is Mitch because if you look at the NBA in terms of how big men play, we don't have really have a good screener, man. I think Mitch is horrible yeah. at setting yeah, screens. He's like because yeah, man. About rolling too quick, but let That's me ask you right. about Rokas. Um, you mentioned that you think he might come up next year. Definitely, yeah. you're saying that because I've seen the Knicks draft a lot of players and then they just never come over. So you you're saying Rokas should be coming to New York next season, correct? And you also mentioned sure. his offense as one of his strengths. What do you think is one of his weaknesses or what he has to continue to improve on? Like, how's his defense, his uh, outside shooting? You know, that's been putrid for the Knicks point guard for many, many years. So what do you think about uh, his shooting, his defense, or any weaknesses? And why, why do you think he's coming next year? Why do you believe that he will be on the New York Knicks roster next year? Because if you look at his game now, he's playing for a contender in Europe. You know, he's... Showing that he's ready to contribute. I think the Knicks look for a contributor to improve that, you know, that pick and roll game, that rim pressure, because all of the trade rooms that you, you know, about Eric Gordon, about Eric, about Darren Fox, those are guys that can get to the rim easily. And this is a guy, this is a guy that can do that as well. That's what the Knicks really 
you know, lack at the moment. So that's one of the reasons. And if you look at one of his weaknesses, I think the defense is one of the weaknesses, not because he's a bad defender, because he understands rotations. I think he has good off-ball plays as well. He, he gets he has some good reads as well. But he isn't, you know, against quicker guys, you know, elite NBA guards. He's going to struggle, man. And I think that's the, the part not to forget as well, because offensively he's been good, but defensively he's not a, really a two-way two-way star in that uh, type of sense. But to be honest, that's, when, that's not what you're getting in the second round of the draft, unless you're very lucky or you're scouting very well. But the whole situation where he's in, it just it makes a lot of sense. You know, he played with Paul Gasol in the in the summer. Paul Gasol retired eventually. His coach played for the Portland Trailblazers as well, was a point guard as well. He's Lithuanian. He is at a young age playing abroad for the first time. So all these kind of things to make uh, uh, players' life harder in the NBA, you know, in a whole different setting, in a whole different environment. He's already witnessing those things now in Barcelona. So in terms of him, you know, translating to the NBA, I think his biggest unique selling point, I think that's what you see with most European guys making the step to the NBA because they are so focused in, uh, on the fundamental game in Europe. That's the difference between, you know, the college game and the European game. In youth development in Europe is the physical tools. That's what you focus on college. Right? If you look at some college teams, you know, if, you got good, if you're a good athlete, you got some good physical tools. You, some teams even draft you just for that, you know, but yeah. in Europe, they don't really look at that. So they teach you all the fundamentals that you can try and get you to elite level at the fundamental part of the game. So that you're really part of the team, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a star or not. Everyone's going to play 25 minutes a night. So it doesn't matter really how good you are. The team comes first. And one of those, the coach that he's playing for is also a badass, man. Imagine Greg Popovich angry, mm-hmm. but all the time, bro. So this guy is... <laughs> Like that all the time. He's just, you know, acting, acting like these adult men are just like kids, you know, you, you know, kick, maybe kicking their ass if they make a mistake, just like that. So they really, there's no room to make a mistake. That, because if you make a mistake, then you really face the consequence. That's a big part between the NBA and the European game, and especially for Barcelona, who is trying to win the EuroLeague. They throw a lot of money in it. So it's when not just like... Uh, when the playoff starts. The player starts in, I think it's in March. They have 34 games of the regular season. I think it's March or April. Then so the players start. And you know, Tim, he likes fundamentals and he likes that attention to detail. So uh, we're definitely going to see Roka soon. We definitely, yeah. hopefully, we'll see him yeah, next show. Sure, I think the playoffs are going to be crucial for him to showcase his defense, man, because that's when they're really, really, just like the NBA players. It's all different game, bro. It's just. It's, sure. just, it's just a chess game. It doesn't really matter if you shoot the ball very well or not. But I wanted to add one thing quick about the three-pointer. The reason that you don't see those a lot is is the shot selection. Man, They have some great spot-up shooters that they just catch on and set in this place. So he doesn't really have room to shoot as well. So that's something I'm very uncertain about as well, how to translate to the NBA. He can be shooting three or four a night, and we can be shooting maybe one and maybe hit like 40% at a decent clip, but he is really in that shot selection, man. He doesn't really have that individual freedom to just create his own shot and go for maybe a step back three or something. He, he showed that he can do that, but there's really room for that kind of individual freedom to make his own play. So that's kind of sets his back. That kind of, you know, makes you assume that he can't really shoot a three ball very well, but that's one part that I'm not very certain about as well. So 
That's uh, the risky part. How that's going to translate to the NBA? I do have a question though. Um, I seen on online that some people were comparing his game to almost like Josh Giddy from that was just drafted this year. He, Josh Giddy is a bit taller, but in terms of how like the playing style, you know, composed with the ball, has is pretty crafty with the ball as well. Like I was surprised by the handles, but you know, in terms of how he sees the floor and and, and could create plays for others, like that that's what the premise of the the comparison was. Yeah. Do you see that comparison as well, or or is that a bit of a reach? Bro, I, I love that you brought it up, man, because when I was preparing for the show, I was, you know, looking at his advanced stats. Those are the passing stats are similar to Giddy, man. He has a 31% assist rate to a 20%, 22% usage. So 1.5%, you know, ratio there. And the, the, the big indicator in this one is, you know, assist rate to usage mainly, you know, gives you an indication how how effective his playmaking is. So... I think if you, the usage and the assist rate are equal, that's okay. He's, he's, it's balancing, but if the assist rate is higher, then it's mainly indicated that his playmaking is having a positive impact on the team. Of course, the NBA and the European level are not comparable, but you know, Josh Giddy has an assist rate of 31.9%, Rukobaris has 31%, and they both swim around the 22% usage. I think uh, if you, they're both, I think Josh Giddy is 6'7 or so. I think Jokobaris is 6'4 or maybe his size, but I actually like the comparison, man, because Josh Giddy's offense wasn't really his unique selling point and isn't really that in the NBA yet. He's, you know, working on the shot selection. I think that's something that Jokobaris is going to face as well, man, because I really like the comparison. I think they're both really crafty. That's mostly the, mainly the, the main comparison. And as you say, man, some of those players are incredible, you know, with the, the smooth easy to get by get yeah, by his yeah. guy. Yeah. Last time he made the guy dance just like Lance Stevenson did when he was in Indiana, <laughs> you know. So that guy is really crafty with the ball in his hands. But the biggest translation risk in this one is how much of a ball he has are you gonna have in the NBA? So I think that's the part of the NBA drafting as well, because a lot of those guys are really good with the ball in his hands, but you're not going to get a lot, of, a lot of usage in the NBA if you're going to be a second round pick or maybe secondary ball in on the second unit. So that's one of the things that's mainly in, in question now, not in question, but it's very uncertain what's going to happen. Yeah. Look, I also know that if he's going to play in the second unit, he's not going to get the ball in, in every position. Mm-hmm. We see that with yeah. Grimes, for example, as well. He's making his own plays. He's making winning plays on defense, etc. I'm not going to see... You could better do that, but that's, not, that's, that's mainly not, the translation that's, risk. It's still a long season here, fellas. Yeah. A long season before we talk about Quentin Grimes and Rokas. I want to talk briefly about your big board. If you haven't, like we said, check out Erson. He dropped his top 100. And uh, this weekend, I'm not going to lie, I saw a little bit of uh, my guy, Jaden Ivey. Oof, that man with the game winner. I seen you had him. I believe it was seven or eight on your big board. Yeah. Not like Ty Ty Washington, you know, these are our big time guards that are, are coming up this league. So, as if the Knicks don't fix this point guard uh, rotation uh, at the trade deadline, we're gonna be looking deep in the draft, and we just don't know what position. Very briefly, we don't want to think about draft way too early. Draft analysis. <laughs> we're gonna bring you back for the draft, definitely. But just talk about those guys briefly, uh, and, and what do you see? What's a surprising lead guard that you think the Knicks uh, can throw their eyes at that might be a sleeper? Well, if you look at, you know, you mentioned Ty Ty Washington, because if you look at this year's draft class compared to last year, 
Last year was wild, man. Last year was full of those games, you know. I think between the picks one and 40, whoever you took was a good guy, man. Yeah. For example, the Brooklyn Nets took three guys, you know, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas, yeah. and Kessler Edwards. Those three guys, you know, going to be solid role players for them. Like they took them. Yeah. For example, Cam Thomas was going to maybe be a lot he picked this year. He's really that good. But he's also one of those, not to talk about Cam Thomas, but just as an example, one of those high usage guys that's not going to get the ball in his hands too much in the NBA. But coming back to your question about this year, I think the leading guards depth is not very good. You know, Benson, Jaden, Ivy, and Ty, Ty Washington, but those are the two main guys for the Knicks to really get excited about. You know, Jaden, Ivy gives you a little bit of those. Russell Westbrook, John Morant. You know, vibes. Russ, before he got injured, you know, with the, the deadly burst and the high level speed. Man. And I think Jaden Ivey is working on his playmaking a lot as well. But some of them have uh, Jaden Ivey in the top three. I saw one guy that was bored at number one. So I think Jaden Ivey is a little out of reach. Yeah. But Ty Ty Washington, he's also going to be a top 10 pick, is what I predict. I had him at 12, but he's really moving up. The, he's really moving up, you know, in the, in the standings because he's. Having such a good game in Kentucky is really leading that team. But, you know, the, I think the leading guard is... If you got a leading guard, we had to took him last year. And we did with Deuce, but he's not playing, you know. So, yeah. I don't think Deuce is going to be the leading point guard in New York, but he's going to be a solid role player. But he's really, really not getting his chances. He's balling in the G League, but... Yeah, he's that's mainly to... Yeah. But he's not really giving the... The shot by the coach. So I think we see that in the Rising Stars Challenge this year, there are zero Knicks players just because the coach aren't playing them. Oh, man. Come on. Come on. Those, for those, sure. You're killing Tiz right now, man. But yeah, it's true. I mean, I just think... Yeah, I can't uh, no, not, true, really defending, not really defending Tiz, but you know, you give Evan Fournier $78 million. You re-sign Alec Burks. Uh, you're just not giving the 25th overall pick that time, but Give credit yeah. to Quentin Grimes. I mean, whenever he got the playing time, he took it by the throat, and, and now he, Tibbs is forced to play him. So to kill th- Tibbs about them not being in the Rising Star game, listen, in the New York Knicks team this year was not designed to play rookies. I mean, think about it. I mean, we, before the season, we were talking anywhere from 40 to 50 wins. I mean, the lowest person, Vegas even gave us 41 and a half wins, and you know they'd they be hating on the Knicks. So for the Knicks... I mean, I get the fans. Everybody's in. Um, it's thin ice right now. I could say it's thin ice because everybody's upset. I mean, the Knicks twenty three yeah. and twenty seven disappointed, which brings up the next topic. I mean, Harrison, you always bringing up um, stats about the Knicks. I mean, talk about the play pace of game and stuff like that. I mean, the Knicks twenty three and twenty seven. I mean, I was yelling fifty wins beginning of the season, and I was hyped. I know the Derrick Rose injury was a huge blow. And I mean, Julius Randle, we could go on and on about the regression in his game. Um, it's just been tough. But what would you attribute to those struggles? I mean, like, what stats as you look and scout the Knicks all the time? What what pops up to you? And then, Don Juan, I want you to kind of piggyback on Erson what he said and see if you see what he says. See, excuse me. Well, if you look at the stats, but the first thing that comes to mind is the pace, man. Last season, Knicks were dead last in pace. Knicks were really controlling the games, you know, but that's also uh, maybe a disadvantage because every score that we have, every point is just a half-court grind, man. We don't get easy buckets. I think that's the main thing between, you know, getting those five or ten points extra a game. 
we don't really get a lot of easy buckets. We see the second unit do it as well. Obi Tarpin is, you know, I think it's in 90th percentile or something in transition scoring. That guy is a machine with the transition, man. Mm -hmm. I think he quickly is really dishing him in with those with those dimes as well in transition. So the second unit, they're the guys to blame. So we see it every game with the plus minus thing. I thought I think that that part is kind of overrated, you know, because the second unit is playing at opponent second units and. The second unit in New York is closer to the starting unit in terms of quality than other teams, in my opinion. So that gives them, you know, the, the advantage that they're going to do better than uh, the starting unit. You know, not to uh, make an excuse for the stars. They have to play better as a team, as a five together. But overall, I think the pace is going to be key because in the last, I think it's the last 10 games again that we are last in pace again. So we're really controlling the game again, I think. Compared to last season, what Randall is doing very well, she's setting more of those off-ball screens. You know, we see at the most offense they really try to create separation for the shooter, and the shooter is getting those looks. And early in the season, man, we saw it against Orlando twice. You know, we got those, those open looks, and they were converted because, for the same record, we could have 27 and 23, and everything was okay, not good, but. Okay, you know, so oh, most of those losses are just because the Knicks threw the game away, man. Said two times again, Magic, you know, those close games against, I think the close game we won against Philly, you know, because at home, you know, against the, the Pacers, let's say. Even the Cavs of the years, I mean, think about the Toronto Raptors. Raptors, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't think the Knicks are playing bad. You let Miles turn to his 7-3. We talk about yeah, bro, guys having career nights against us, and, and it's definitely... Um, been a, been, you, you, you hit it right there on the noggin right there. The Knicks have easily been 27-23, and we're singing a whole different tune right now. We're definitely singing a whole different tune. But uh, Don Juan, what do you have to say about Urson and uh, the, the struggles about the Knicks? Man, with the Knicks, I feel like there's just there's still camaraderie to be built. You know, I, I know Urson brought up the, the fact that the second unit has been playing great. But I think it's because you know they've been playing with each other for a while. Where last year, you know, there was a it was two seasons of, of pretty much the same lineup. You know, Peyton was on the team the year before that, so was Bullock. So there was some chemistry built with those guys. Where I think this year, you know, we signed Fournier. That's the that's the guy that got the bag. I got paid this summer. Maybe Randall. Maybe he feels a bit jealous in in a sense. Maybe he doesn't have that relationship with him. You know, like I said, this guy got paid. He wasn't even. In a meeting, it was his agent. This guy was balling in France, doing his thing. So, you know, it's just it's weird to get a guy, especially you don't speak. There's a language barrier, but barely. I mean, Fortnite speaks English, but at the same time, like I said, it's just that this it's different, different culture. Pretty sure Randall yeah. thought that it was going to be the same thing as last year. Just pass me the ball, pass me the ball, and you see it. I mean, I saw it more, especially early in the season. He's not doing it so often, but he's always coming up to players like, "Give me the ball." as opposed to let me create something off off ball kind of create something for the team but randall's always with his hands up expecting the ball because the offense revolves around him mm -hmm. and i think that there's it's been it's been um a struggle for randall to understand like look you need to take a step back look at rj how he's expanded his game he needs to let his team kind of at the end of the day ball out he's he's trying to take control into his own hands and the fans are noticing it and it doesn't help that he has his 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 body language, you know, isn't isn't helping either. He's yeah. not there to pick up his brother's back like we saw in that game in Milwaukee when Opie was on the floor. He looked at him, and I mean, these are Nick, you know, th this is nitpicking situations too, because I don't like doing that. You know, who 
who knows what Randall was really looking at, could have been looking at a friend, you know. Mm -hmm. I do think that a lot of it is just the the the, the team, the team chemistry isn't isn't up there. And maybe, you know, the the coaching has to do with it too, man. He I feel like Tibbs has been been questionable. He's been doing some questionable um substitutions, rotations. And it doesn't help that Derek Rose is out too. So I think that Derek Rose who who has was the key factor, I feel like, in turning the season around last year. He's not around to help the guys. And as much as he, you know, he could he could lead by example, he's not really that guy that, that's vocal and, and leads with, with words. He leads by example on the floor and, and demeanor. Yeah, man. Derek Rose uh injury was a killer. But let's just talk about last game real quick as well. I mean, New York Knicks lose to the Memphis Grizzly. Wow, Memphis looks good, man. They are a very good yeah, team. Man. And you got the superstar, of course, in John Morant, but just the pieces work nicely. Jaron Jackson, Stephen Adams, he just does his job, you know, catches rebounds, offensive rebounds. And, and they just got all the 50-50 balls. Aaron Fournier mentioned it. And it was just – the Knicks played a good game. You know, they played a good game, but all those 50-50 balls went to Memphis repeatedly. I mean, they just wanted it more. And that's what happened. When you're having a bad season, I mean, you just don't get those lucky breaks. But – uh, in my little positive spin, I mean, the Knicks played a real good game. I mean, this is a finally um, – you mentioned earlier, Erson, about just those finding the shooters, and, and they were really looking for Fournier yesterday. He was really knocking it down. Eight threes last night for Evan Fournier. Uh, disappointing that we wasted that because we don't know when that comes. He's such been an inconsistent shooter this season. But, man, listen, the Knicks go out west, so we're going to talk about that next. But – this Memphis game, there was a lot of positives. So I want to ask you guys, what's one positive that you saw last night from the Knicks that they can carry over? I mean, this it's 51 games in. I mean, there's still a lot of games. There's still 31, 30-plus games to play, you know. So the Knicks is still tough, but they, they're right there in the bubble. They're right there in the middle. So what's one positive that they can take here as they go out west? I have to think the biggest positive, especially in that second unit, you know, I posted, I think it was an hour ago, clip of Grimes being in the, in the good spot with the easiest deal. I think especially those second units get the flowers again, man. They were really in sync. I think if you look at the second unit, they're really playing as a team. So, and the first unit is getting there as well. I think I see it a lot more, you know, especially with Randall. And as you said, Don Juan, it was a great point about, you know, Randall forcing things about, I want to be the guy, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. But, he has to, you know, give RJ his room. He has to, you know, acknowledge Fournier's role in this team. He has to be in, get the ball in his hands a lot more as well. So I think that's going to be the key factor for the next road trip. And that's going to be a big positive that I see from Randall. I think in the last five games or so, he's really making those off-ball plays. He's really, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get in the paint because Randall's shooting those tough mid-range shots and trees. And last season, everything was going in for him. So, you know, we were getting spoiled. But... That's not going to happen every season. I think this season was, you know, a reality check for him. He hasn't been handling it very well. Negative body language tells it all, you know, the way he's behaving on the court, not picking his guys up. So he's definitely the guy to blame. I think I was defending him for a long time, but I'm really acknowledging that, you know, he's not, he's not, he's, he's kind of messing up the team chemistry, man, because yeah. the team chemistry is not a problem. As you said, no one, you know, these guys are playing for two years together. Most of the guys, they have that the team chemistry with Randall being their leader. But if you want to take the next step, you got to acknowledge guys like RJ going to take his spot. Fournier is going to sign this year, $74 million. 
he's going to want the ball in his hands. Yeah, you got to give him to him, man. Even yeah. Fournier is not an NBA superstar, but he's the second, third option on the Knicks. So we've got to keep it real. It's not Randall's yeah. team anymore. It's uncertain whose team it is. I want it to be RJ's team in the long term. Of course. And I think Randall's trying to put RJ more in his part as well, trying to get him out of his own. So you know, RJ, make plays. Try to do something. I think RJ is yeah. doing that a lot better as well. He's shooting way more efficient. I think I posted... Uh, Last week about this effective field goal percentage, he's gonna put 30 a night, but efficiency is something that he needs to work on. But that's normal, you know. He's a third-year player. Some players develop slower, some players develop quicker. If you look at the box score, Moran took I think 27, 28 shots. He had the same amount of points as Barrett, who took 10 shots less. Yeah. So that's a big W for RJ Barrett. Man. And I think RJ Barrett is gonna be the key in this road trip. If he can get maybe two or three wins against all the tough West teams, that's a win for us. I think that's the vocal point moving forward in those in the in the West. I think last season with those nine games winning streak, you know, we played a lot of good games man, against the Suns, yeah. where we eventually lost. The Nuggets we played very well, but eventually they let the game go away. Yeah. So a lot of positive from last year's West Coast road trip. I think it was six, seven games as well. So it's going to be yeah. like that again now. So I think the Utah Jazz maybe they'll miss Gobert again or Spider again. So yeah, those yeah, teams we can't beat them, man. Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, shortly. Don Juan, what you think about uh, any positives that the Knicks can take right here? Um, For sure. I mean, Erson took the word out of my mouth, pause, but with the RJ, RJ, RJ just continues to, you know, playing his game. Even though the last game, who Triple Eleven and I were at against the Kings, he didn't have his best game, but, you know, he didn't get in the way. He didn't get in the way of the team either. You know, he let the team flow and, 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 and a lot of players stepped up. But in regards to this game, I mean, he played well, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat what you said, Harrison. But what, what, one thing I can say about the team is um, just fighting it out and playing against a team that you know is arguably one of the the best teams in the West. They they're killing this year as a as a group of young guys that could be some a sleeper contenders. And the fact that we competed, you know, the score 120 to 108 doesn't really tell you the story of the of the game. Yeah, you know, to yeah. start the game, we already, we started off bad like usual, but we picked up the slack and the, the game was competitive. I mean, it was entertaining as hell. It was nice to see Jao Force and Madison Square Garden, who was the, the the attraction of the night, I would say. But, you know, we even made it difficult for him. He wasn't himself. The guy was on a roll. He had a bunch of games. I'm not sure. It was a five-game, thirty over 30 points that he had, and, and we kept him honest, you know, but... At the same time, Memphis is a really good team, and they they, they beat us. But you know, credit that team; they beat us, and we and we made it hard. Yeah, sure. And and, and you mentioned the Suns last that when we lost to the Suns last year in the nine game winning streak. I kind of compared that game to this game, where you know we 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 gave them a fight. We didn't make it easy, and even though the Suns game was a little closer, if it wasn't for Chris Paul making some tough buckets, thank God, the Knicks win that game too. But uh, you know, that's, that's the same thing with this game. The Knicks were in it. They were down five or four points at, at, towards the end of that last six minutes and the fourth. Desmond Bain, you know, the extra pass, he's wide open, hit some shots, and and that's and that's, that's 50, the ball 50 game. Fifty-fifty Yeah, especially fifty-fifty because we were playing a good game. The box score doesn't tell it. Especially we did our homework, man. Robinson had eight blocks. Morant had five blocks that he need to, needed to swallow, you know. And as you said, he was scoring thirty a night. I think he had the triple double in his last game or the game before. 
And he wasn't efficient on the court, but the guys I mean, picked him up. Grimes, once again, man, that defense yeah, in the fourth quarter. He's, he's a home run pick, bro. The guys have limits on defense. But it was tough. I mean, Kemba Walker, again, a donut on the board. Uh, this, this is just a topic for another day, man. It's so sad to see the yeah. downfall of Kemba live. I mean, back-to-back games with zero points. Once again, just starts off the first quarter, plays a few minutes, doesn't come back. Then they throw him out there in the third quarter, throws up an air ball. Yeah, it's, was... just, it, it, it's really bad for Kemba right now. But, I mean, the trade deadline is next week, so we're definitely going to talk more about Kemba uh, a little next week. And, uh, yeah, man, the Knicks go out west, the wild, wild west. We mentioned it at Lakers, at Jazz, oh, at Nuggets, at Warriors, at Blazers. I mean, God, that is a tough, tough west coast swing. But um, as I was doing my homework earlier today, I had tweeted it. Uh, the, Knicks, the Knicks play the Lakers on Saturday. I mean, we don't know. LeBron is uncertain. I mean, who knows? You know, Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Wake up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, LeBron questionable, quote, quote, unquote. So let's see how that goes. Uh, Erson mentioned this spider and Gobert have been missing. Um, Gobert has a calf injury. Those are tricky. You don't know when he's coming back. Uh, Mitchell has a concussion, another tricky injury. Uh, he's been out a while, so I'm sure he'll be he back. Actually, he actually just cleared the concussion protocol. So. Ah, so there we go. So Mitchell is back. So we'll see him Monday. <laughs> so the Nuggets, we're going to play against arguably the MVP in the league, and we know we don't do well against that. I mean, Jokic has had our numbers in yeah, the man. KP days. I mean, he's killing us he, always. He murdered us, man. He, MSG, he literally killed us, man. Yeah. Like Zeke Naji looked like, you know, Rayel out there, man. Oh, man, man. We, man another guy. Bad. Another career high guy. <laughs> that was a bad name right there. A game I wish I forgot. But And then you go Warriors. I, I did my homework. The Warriors are playing on a back-to-back third game in Fortnite, so you never know what's the status of Curry and Clay. And Portland, I mean, that's the last game of uh, the West Coast trip, so if if the Knicks are feeling good, that's a game they got to win. But, I mean, I'm just being trying to be positive, but at the end of the day, those are real, real tough teams, five in a row. Uh, Erson, I'm going to start off with you, man. Five games. What do the Knicks have to do to to win maybe two or three of them, man. And give me a prediction. Give me a prediction what you think they're going to do out there. I think they're going to win two or three games. I'm really confident because Knicks usually lose against, you know, the easy <laughs> matchup. The Orlando Magic. <laughs> <laughs> I think even the Warriors, one, if, if Steph is out, they can win, man, because the Warriors are playing really close games. And they are so experienced because they have guys who won multiple championships. And they know how to to make those clutch plays, they are scoring clutch time. But and the Knicks obviously losing clutch time. For example, Randall against the Bulls, all those games, man. I think if you look at their clutch stats, we're not a good team at all. But eventually they will come. I think I believe in it. I really believe in it. I think if you put the games in maybe eight parts, we are playing really good at four or five of them. And let the game slip in maybe one or two really bad, man. I think that's a part of, you know, as Don Juan said, with the team chemistry, you know, Evan Fournier, he's, he's coming new to the team. It was really a odd situation when he signed for the Knicks, you know, because his agent was, I was, I want the, I want the four-year guarantee, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, we don't know if these reports are really true or not, but let's say, assume it's very true. And Bullock was his guy, so. And we're yeah. barely, we're almost 50 games in the season, and we're talking about Randall potentially getting traded. So I know the team is really in a bad spot. 
but they don't really show it on the court, man. Especially you know the sophomores, Ob, quickly. Those are the guys that bring energy to the game, man. They give you hope, you know. Especially Grimes, that guy gives you hope, man. From this team isn't lost. Those guys are picking up the slack. Those guys are gonna keep picking up the slack, and the stars have to figure it out. And Kemba, as you said earlier, man, that's a sad story, man. He's, I think, he's a top 30 scorer in the NBA of all times in terms of total points. To see a guy go back to back without points, throw an air ball, bro, that's, yeah, that's bad, man, for him, you know. And that was a risk the team took. So if he's gonna be moved, maybe to the Clippers, I think they are gonna look for those scoring guards, you know. So. That was a gamble that the front office took. It was a bad one. But, you know, Kemba was home in his hometown. You know, he grew up in New York. He got to play for the Knicks. So that was for him. It was a good experience. But he's a guy that, you know, can put up 40 and nice. So maybe in the West, he was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to take revenge against the big guys, against the big teams. They're going to show who I am. You probably yeah, got to forget about Charlotte Hornets Kemba, man, because we saw it earlier as well. He had a lot of bad games, was taken out of rotation. He kept his head up. I'm going to respond, and he and he responded. You know, so big respect for him. So I think mainly because of the Knicks, I think we're not a bad team. We're not playing bad. We're just not executing. We're just not closing games as like the last year. That's the difference between a 27 and 23 record and the record that we're having now, man. Just some silly games where we're giving a big leads against Orlando Magic, getting guys like Turner, you know. Yeah, so, but I think those two, I took a person with Orlando Magic, bro. I want to move twice to such a bad team. They're <laughs> tanking, bro. Come on, man. Yeah, man. Look at their record. They maybe have 10 wins and two of them in MSG, bro. That is something that's that doesn't accept of them, man. Terrible, man. I've actually been trying to stay away from that, looking up, up, up their record just because it just hurts every I'll time. I'll tell you, yeah. bro. It makes it worse, bro. 2011 They kept them, they kept them close, but they they are a better team right now. So that's not a, a shame to lose against them. No, but no, no, no. I think if you look at that Portland game, that's the game you gotta win. I think one of those Jazz Warriors games, that's one of those two. I think that's gonna end up as in a, at a close game. You know, maybe we get the W or not, but we're gonna give a fight, man. We're not gonna give. I think the one prediction I'm gonna make is that we'll get maybe blown away in one game. Okay, let's say for example the. No, yes. Maybe the Utah Jazz with Gobert and, uh, oh, and uh, you know, with Spider Bag, yeah, they're going to kill us. Uh, but yeah. that's okay. They are one of the best regular season teams of the last six, seven seasons, and we're yeah. not. So, yeah, that's my prediction, man. I think we're going to win two or three games, and we're going to get blown away in one game. We're going to play right. close that's games. Very optimistic. I, I, I'm optimistic. I'm intrigued to hear Don Juan because that's like it though. Hey, because he might say four and one. He might he might overpower you. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I mean, towards, towards the later half of the 50 games that we've played, I've been a little more skeptic, but you know, a little pessimist. I mean, yeah. But yeah. to this this West Coast trip, I, I'm in the same boat as Erson, man. Two to three wins, and it's it's gonna be hard fought. Maybe a lot of it. Two, the three it depends on how you know injury updates and whatnot, how that plays out. But 
you know, we didn't mention with the Warriors, you know, Draymond Green is out. I'm not sure when he's coming back. He's pretty much the heart and soul of that team when you, when you, who, I mean, obviously it's Curry, but Draymond gets the ball off of Curry's hand and lets Curry yeah. play his game. You know, Curry loves coming off, off the ball, running through screens and whatnot. And when he doesn't do that, you see a lot of more Curry dribbling, isolation plays. And that's not really his best. He could do it. As we could, as we saw recently, if you saw that Houston game, he went off against against a wild game winner, man. And KPG set it off. But let me let me stay with the Knicks here. Yeah, I mean two two to three wins. Hopefully there's no blowout like Earth said, but there's probably gonna be somewhere in the Jazz and Nuggets because. But also, if I'm not mistaken, Jokic is out too. So you know, realistically, that there's a lot of things that could play our way and it could push me to even be optimistic Juan again and go for one but I was coming one is a possibility oh, but yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be real I'm gonna be real keep it two to three weeks. two to three yeah all right that that's more sane I like it I guess I guess I gotta be the Grinch man I just maybe we take one in LA and then the rest I mean no, I like uh, Portland I like Portland I like Portland I'll yeah. say two. I'll say two. And, and yeah, man, I mean, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, Thursday, NBA trade deadline. Right? We're going to do something big here on Knicks Fans Wild and stay tuned. Uh, stay on the page. And, um, yeah, we're going to have a big show Thursday. February 10th. February 10th. February 10th. What a for show, man. Yeah, tune in. Are you going live? Show. Yeah, we're going live. We're going live. Sneak, we got breaking news. We're going live. Let's see what we do Thursday, all right? But yo, Erson, man, uh, great, great, great talk with you again, as always. Yeah, sure, Thank man. you. Thank you for always being, uh, jumping on the show. And uh, yeah, man, tell the people where they can find you again and, and what you got cooking up coming up. Well, you can find me at uh, EDemmerNBA on Twitter. I tweet mostly about the NBA draft, mostly about the New York Knicks. But you know, I like to follow the rookies and the sophomores as well. So I tweet a lot about other teams. For me, it doesn't really matter a lot about who it is, so... I think the Rosen was maybe a, a sensitive topic, you know, because, you know, everyone <laughs> was killing the Bulls. I was going to sign uh, that old guy for such a long contract. But he's responding, man. He's one of maybe the best season of his career. So, you know, you got to give a guy his flowers. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, it's 90% draft the Knicks, 10% other stuff. I have some of my favorite team players on other teams as well. For example, Nasir Little from the Portland Trailblazers. So in the triple M, we're on the same boat, man. I like that uh, Portland team as well with Simons and Little. So those are guys I've made money tweet about. And it's just the NBA draft, man. That's yeah, the thing man. I like a lot. That's what I investing this basketball season in. I wasn't really watching a lot of college basketball before that, but this season is going to be a lot more. And I'm watching a lot of more of those games. Just to, you know, understand the game a little bit better this season. It's mostly, we're all learning, so... I sure. want to understand what's special about college basketball. You know, you know, for wings especially, it's going to be tougher because the pitch is a little bit narrower than the NBA. So these kind of little things, you know, just just investing my time. And I love tweeting, tweeting those things out. So. Yeah, I'm mean, yeah, the nearest world. Yeah, way better, way better. I've seen the, the growth of it definitely is just getting way better. So keep up the good work, bro, for sure. Don Juan, what you got? Appreciate you, bro. Is your boy Don Juan signing out? Make sure to follow those handles on the bottom of the screen. Triple M, what's up? Don Juan 607, NYK fans, Wilding. Of course, Off the Ball Network, always holding it down. And of course, the guest himself, Ersan. 
Say your last name again. Demir. Uh, it's actually it's like you know it's a Turkish name. I'm uh, you know I have Turkish roots. It's actually Ersin. Ersin Demir. So it is. Demir. The opposite of you know how you pronounce it in English. Yeah, Ersin. Ersin is good, you know. It was a pleasure having you. Make sure to follow my guy on Twitter, and of course, we're trying to run the numbers up on 100 subscriptions. We we up. We, what we got now 91 92 but make sure to follow, make sure to subscribe to our channel we're doing a giveaway at 100 subscribers run the numbers up make sure to like the channel as well and thank you guys for watching yes sir said perfectly by don juan make sure to subscribe on youtube hit that like button man for sure and a uh, big shout out to our guy erson our brother from off the ball oh his like i mentioned right now his content has gotten way better it was good in the beginning, and now it's getting great. I mean, uh, shout out to my guy, and shout out to him for Appreciate always you, being able to on the show. Because uh, we're gonna definitely see him around draft time again for sure, people. I mean, this guy is knowledgeable. You gotta check out that top 100 board. It's really, really good. I started looking at it because I mean, all this losing just got me looking you know, a little. Yeah, bit, you know, <laughs> gonna get the tankathon running again, bro. Yeah, but you already know the vibes. Your boy Triple M in the building. As I always say before we get up out of here, man, enjoy life. February in New York City. If you're from the city, it's cold and snow, rainy. Perfect time to be chilling, man. Chilling, you know, game planning and, and, and reaching new heights, man. Always improve yourself, man. As always, we up out of here. Triple M, Don Juan, person in the building. I'll let you know.